Welcome to Tilth Talk Radio. Today we're going to be talking about forage and where you can find some. In our spotlight, we're going to talk about Soil Reader, a new device to assist with soil sampling. In our Ag History Minute, we'll talk about the Smith Hughes Act. We've got some cool beans, and that's corny with some current events. You applied what? And we're also going to go outstanding in our field and talk to a one of our remotes this week. So with me today are Bill Schaubert. Hey, guys. Todd Schaubert. Hey, Matt, and hey, all the Tilthies out there. And I'm Matt Brueger, all with Tilth Agronomy. So no Max today, right? Yep, Max is checked out for the day. He's wrestling. Yeah, he's at state wrestling this week, so hopefully he can bring back some champs. But hopefully he has fun down there. He will, I'm sure. Yeah, that's true. That's, he will have fun. Yeah, we there's won't there's no doubt of that, part. of him yes. having fun. Yes. I already asked him how his hangover is going. No response, so we'll see. Yeah. Nice. See how that I goes. I thought it was from FFA week, maybe. Yep. That, happy FFA week. Yeah, happy FFA week. Anybody drive by school to see how many tractors were parked out front? No. Or? I, I didn't. Uh, I know they got on the news the other day. Oh, good. Yeah, the Fox 11 was out at cool. the school there. Nice. They had a milk chugging contest, I guess. Really? On, on air, yeah. How much, how much milk and what I, kind of time? I don't know. I didn't see that part of it. I just know my cousin was, was there chugging milk with uh, uh, Matt Stingle. No, which Stingle boy? One of the Stingle boys won. Won the chugging contest. Yeah. That, yeah. that doesn't surprise me. No, yeah. That's awesome. Good yeah. job. What do you win? More milk? More milk, yeah. <laughs> yes. I think, yeah, if you drink the half gallon, then you get the full, the full gallon. Ooh. <laughs> ooh, what's, how much were you throw up? Uh, yeah, you, uh, that was a Friends was, episode, right? He, ooh, Joey tried to there was a guy in high school, and we were in high yep. school that tried it and did not make did it. Did not no, make it at all. He also picked chocolate, he also picked milk, chocolate yeah. milk, which is a bold choice. Yeah. Chocolate too much milk was milk. a poor choice. Yes. Milk was a poor choice. There is too much of a good thing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Funny. Yeah, happy FA week, yeah. Yeah, and convenient that it's this week because it's a one day longer. We got an extra day in February this year. Tomorrow is Leap Day. Yep, the Olympics of days. <laughs> every four years. Every, every four yeah, right. years it shows up, rears its ugly head. Yep. Do you think Leroy Butler is going to have a good day tomorrow? Ooh, do they yeah, didn't, didn't they uh, pass something? I think oh, yeah? So. It's today's Leroy Leap Day. They were trying tomorrow, to, yeah. to oh, pass awesome. this, that through the, the state legislature, yeah. Yep. Shout out to... Leap 36. Um, speaking of the Olympics, though, I, that's the rumor is that they may get canceled this year. They're in Japan, and Japan is getting hammered. Have they ever canceled an Olympics before? Or they uh, World was, War II. Yeah, okay. They did, because um, the last one was 36, and then the whole world was pretty much involved by 40, so then they didn't have it in 40 or 44. I think there was two... Two stretches there where they, they any because it. of disease like that or not that I remember, but it's a good question. We should look into. Yeah, that. we should. In Japan's getting hit hard. Their schools they shut down till like May or something. Correct yeah. or yeah, Asia is not a great place to be right now. No, <laughs> the Google so. machine says three times, guys: nineteen sixteen, nineteen forty, nineteen forty four during the World Wars. Yep. So that would have been yeah, World War One and World War Two. Yep. Yep. So, which makes is sense. Is this some Summer Olympics? Yes. Yeah. Summer. summer. Yeah. Summer yep. So, I think they said they had until May to figure it out. And it's obviously like, like the in last. July or something Right, like it would start in... Well, man, think of how much planning's gone in. Building. And, right. Yeah, investment and... Wow. And they wouldn't be able to move it very easily. It's not like, yeah, oh, it's just... Yeah, like, yeah, oh, I'll just go over here. I'm sure they have a, a track that meets the requirements. You of could the probably go back to Rio 
go where it was the time before. Yeah, you could go to a former Olympic city, yeah. Or it's just like corroded away the last four years. Oh, yeah, true. A lot of those places aren't even used. used. Yeah, Yeah, London or wherever was a a recent one. They just had the uh, 40th anniversary of the the, uh, Miracle on Ice, too, a couple of weeks ago. That's right, yeah. They were doing the rounds, and so that was pretty cool. That's cool. Yeah, that was... It's hard to believe 1980 was 40 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> I was listening to another podcast that UW puts on, and they interviewed Mark Johnson. He wait, was, wait. You're, you cheated on our podcast I with did, another podcast. I did. It was a sports podcast, though. Oh, okay. okay. Wasn't that's, a that's fair. agronomic. Different zip codes. Different, yeah. different style podcast. Right. When in Vegas. <laughs> yep. So Mark Johnson was there. He was a player. Remember when we got to see his gold medal two years ago? Yeah. Was, that was cool. When yeah, he retired his number. Yeah, yeah they retired his number cool. at a Badger game, man. We all went down. Pretty fun. Yeah. Side note there. So, well, let's get into it. <clears throat> Today we're doing a forage spotlight because it seems we can never get enough forage. Yep, so. it is forage February. So I'd like to talk about there was just a new hay market demand report released um the uw extension releases these so thanks to them for all the good information they put out and um just looking at the hay prices and what they're doing and they're doing what we would expect of being extremely high and um being up you know most of them are in the 200 dollars a ton range for kind of that that good hay the max kind of blew me away of 345 a ton you know max obviously that's it just got a max and a min. They have the small square price because that's usually ridiculous too. Yeah, and that that actually was large square that hit that max of three forty five, and small square was three hundred. But I'm guessing okay. they're not counting like horse bales or something. Right? Like that yeah, horse specialty markets that are going to have a higher price. Right. Right. Yeah. So the and then the low, it, but that's for really poor quality stuff was down to forty, which surprised me too because even for straw. You know, you're not talking 40, so I'm not right. sure, you know, if that's, that's just... That's like 80 just, relative feed value. Yeah, and that's just a low. So averages, though, in that, you know, like like I said, 180 to 200, um, and just really, really strong price, especially through Wisconsin, um, that it that it means strong demand remains for top-quality hay. Well, and think about it. A month from now, we're going to be starting to think about what these hay fields are looking like. That's, yeah, and that are out there. They're going to want to know as soon as possible. I had the question the other day. What, what do you think you'll know while the good the, my fields May are? May 15th. Yeah, when? Uh, yeah. It's a great question. It depends on the weather. If it's like last year, June. Yeah. Hopefully we will not have that. Statistically, we were told we cannot have another 2019 again, right? Right. Uh, that's what we were told statistically, yes. So last year at this time, what do you guys guess the prices were? Oh, half that. So, like, you want the average one year ago, like that average, that average number. That so number that, I said the one eighty to two hundred. Yeah. What that was? Uh, I'm going to say one twenty five. Nope, they're actually quite close. The average is like one sixty to to two twenty. Okay, so down so, a little bit, but so not, the average um, is the same. Yeah, mm-hmm. but and, the, and that the makes sense. I mean, a year slow. ago we were still going through this yeah. kind of tight forage supply. Maximum um, was was higher this year, though. You think same? Th- same. I mean, those are weird too because I'm guessing they're just outliers. Max then was four hundred for small square. So okay, so just going year off year just to kind of see where stuff hits stuff but it it feels high right now but it, i think we've also been in this similar situation earlier and especially a year ago we also had you know that situation so sure 
Well, Makes sense. And 18, two years ago. What do you think on that one? Good question. Crickets. Bueller, Bueller. Just throw it Let me go 125 again. Yeah, this is 130 <laughs> to 190. So there you go. I, knew, the, I must have been thinking 2018. Yeah. That's my story and I'm sticking to it. Yeah. It is amazing how much hay we had three years ago. Oh, yeah. No, that cycle turned fast. fast yeah. Really fast. Yeah. Well, really how many fields fast. did we plow up the last two years? Yeah, true. Right. No, First we just, crop we just, was non-existent. Yeah, so we blew through all of it. So one other uh, neat new thing that the extension has. Um, I wouldn't say it's new. Is this new? What is? Uh, it's relatively new. Okay. Yeah, so tell us, Todd, what is Farmer the, to Farmer? The Farmer to Farmer connection. So if you visit the webpage, farmertofarmer.uwex.edu, um, it's not a dating website, <laughs> Matt. It's not. You don't have to be lonely No, it's at farmertofarmer.com. Yeah, no. and, and it's not a um, exchange program. They're not going to like ship, ship your farm. forage in yes. exchange for, for some their European for, forage. Yes, it's a trade. Yeah. Can I ship my hay for some corn salad? Yeah, they're not going to trade. You know, you, you can't like swap to go see what it's like down at a tree farm. And we, we should start, yeah, forage swap. Forage swap. Is that like yeah. wife swap? Like wife swap. Yeah. yeah. Tr- trade your feed. <laughs> See who's doing a better job. So, no, it is what I'm calling it the eBay for alfalfa, the Craigslist for corn silage, nice. or the Facebook marketplace for forage. But it's basically the uh, a place where you can list similar to, uh, I'd call it similar to Craigslist probably out of all those. Sure. Um, you know, just where you can list um, what alfalfa you, or any forage basically, it doesn't have to be alfalfa. Um, can be when I look at yeah, they even had like high mushroom corn I think was one of the yeah the current ones going so yeah it says user this is right from the website users can list or search for hay alfalfa haylage corn silage high moisture corn corn grain or other forages i.e. oats peas or sorghum so I think it all especially if it says corn grain um, doesn't say soybeans I guess but it it does encompass any place that you'd want to basically direct sell, you know, something that, that there's a spot you can list it instead of Craigslist. I know a lot of people list on Craigslist or Facebook, maybe. I haven't seen as much farm I've, I've seen a little bit of more farm equipment, yeah. not so much yeah. the forage side of things. Yeah. Amazing. It's amazing what the Facebook marketplace has, but I just pulled up a local listing here. It's pretty detailed, like net wrapped hay, selling large round bales, second crop, grass, clover, alfalfa mix. You know, it's Pretty, pretty. I don't know if there was a spot for photos was the only hmm. thing I didn't notice. Um, but there is a map, which is nice. So you could go and then look. Um, there's a map of listings. And um, currently there's some in Montana and then like three in Wisconsin, um, six listings total. Um, they'll leave it up on their site for 60 days. Um, is the standard. And if you want it off before that, so if you do sell whatever you have on there, um, if you sell it, then you can request it to be removed, basically. Um, doesn't look like they put prices on, huh? It's just uh, you have to call the number or contact the person to to uh, negotiate a deal, I suppose. There is a spot for, you know, some of that information of relative feed, you know, how much you got. Yeah, some of them had like a relative that, feed value. But, yeah. <clears throat> I like this email. Did you say hey? Did you say hey? Did you? Did you? <laughs> that is great. <clears throat> I did. Did you see? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So, so it'd be a good place to check out. And 
You have another, you know, like I said, just a good spot that if you're looking, especially, it's a good place to look. And if you're selling, um, why not? It's free. You got nothing to lose. Um, I think it's similar to Craigslist, like you said, but another spot where you can list your forage um, to be sold. So, Do you have to exchange your wagon full of forage in a police parking lot? Yeah. I'm not sure if there <laughs> has to be. Yes. Walmart um, parking lot will have... <laughs> Yeah, you get into everywhere. Ample, ample room for to make that. No, that you're right. Make sure you do this in a safe area. So yeah. be safe. Yeah, no, the other no hay smugglers. Here. The other day, my wife bought something or sold something on Facebook Marketplace, and she she just kind of briefly told me about it. She was leaving to go. I'm like, well, where are you going? She said the shop go parking lot. I'm like, that's been closed now for over a year. Like, that's kind of sketchy. Was there. it about nine o'clock at night? Yeah, it was late. Pitch black. Yeah, it was late. Are the trailers still all there where people could I, hide? Well, that's what I said. Like, that seems sketchy. Like, just call me when you're done. You know, like because she was going somewhere else after that. So, and, and it that, was weird because it'd been listed. Um, the item that she had on there had been listed for like six months. And then somebody bought it. I'm like, well, that's weird. Like, why would... Did you then just follow her over there? Yeah, no, I didn't, I did not. Pack the kids in the truck. Yeah, and then jump out and freak her out. <laughs> ah, see, you could have been killed <laughs> if I was a murderer. <laughs> yeah, it was me that actually bought it. You just, wanted, yeah. you wanted to see her just teach you a, just teaching you a lesson. lesson. Don't meet in abandoned parking lot. Wrong there, there is a quick trip right there. That's so true. I think it was basically kind of in the quick trip parking lot, but it's meet, said, meet by the third diesel pump yes, on the like, north side. Why not just do the quick trip parking lot? Yes. So, no, very cool. Glad that we've got options there. So for this forage February, even though we don't have a whole lot of time left in February, one day, <clears throat> check out the farmer to farmer.uwex.edu website if you're looking for forage. Or if you're trying to sell some forage, check it out. You might be able to post it on there and hopefully make a connection. A forage not a, connection, not a, not a love connection. Or, yeah, hopefully not too many misconnections. <laughs> so. All right, let's move into our spotlight. So today in the spotlight, we've got the Soil Reader, which is a NAR sensor for taking soil test. And it measures nine soil constituents, N, P, K, pH, OM, which is organic matter, EC, moisture, clay, and sand content in real time at varying depths on the go without removing a speck of dirt. Wow. <clears throat> so I thought that was interesting. You know, we spend a lot of time soil sampling and we're, we're looking to, you know, always improve what we're doing with our soil sampling, whether it's zone sampling or grid sampling and. So it was kind of a neat new tool that uh, was developed. Really neat. I mean, just how they explain it, too, with having a sapphire glass. So obviously it's got to have some sort of probably really hard glass. And then the spectrometer and a, and a microcomputer. Um, would be interesting how it, did it say anything mad about how it, um, in previous tools like this, especially the organic matter one that Varus has, you need an actual lab sample sort of as like a check. And then they use this to kind of develop the the numbers exactly based off of that. So did it say anything about that? Or? No, it just said they're in the final stages of field accuracy and durability documentation. So I imagine that's what they're doing is they're comparing the lab China. samples and trying to see how, how accurate they are. Um, they're hoping to be available for purchase in 2020, 
And it does say it works best attached to a coulter. Um, so you'd put it put on tillage equipment or yeah, I mean uh, minimal disturbance. <clears throat> okay, you could put it on, on like a nitrogen applicator, probably or something where you're you're just using a straight coulter, not a a shank or a wavy disc. Would be interesting. What with Varus's tool, they use a NAR. You know, it's the same thing that yep. they have, kind of almost a, uh, hooked on a, a corn row unit, sort of like a double disc opener. But it'd be interesting what this does versus that exactly, and how it can tell right. those other nutrients. That one just claims to get organic matter. No, nine constituents. That's a lot of. That's a lot of constituents. A lot of data. Yeah. yeah. So. Yeah. So yeah, no, I thought that was interesting. Something for us to watch and. The future of that stuff's cool. It will yeah. be cool when when we can just in the field sense all that stuff and know it. So I think the nitrogen one would be the best, right? You get yeah, on right. the go nitrogen. That's why variability throughout the field with a nitrogen applicator. You know, you can yeah. adjust your rate on the go. There you go. Might be a valuable tool there. Hook them both together and sense and apply at the same time. Yeah, moisture would be good too. Oh yeah, um, for especially for other, irrigated. And, yeah, yeah, for other things and. Yeah, I think there'd be a lot of applications. So, yeah, we'll have to keep an eye on this one and see how much it costs. That'll be the big question. Did it say who's like who's releasing it or what the company was called? Uh, let's see. They mentioned the guy, Eric Ising. Okay. Was the, but I don't remember if they had a company name. I'm just no, trying to glance. It looks pretty here. new yet. So, yeah, I'm wondering if it's just. Soil Reader uh, is yeah, kind of the name. The company and, looks like too. He's, his, okay. he's the founder and CEO of Soil Reader, so they sure. must have kind of started their own entity with Soil Reader. So, good find. All, All right. right, now let's move into our egg history minute. So we stroll on down the river, listening to that lovely banjo music every week. Today we're going to talk about the Smith Hughes Act of 1917. So the advancement in agricultural education since the Smith-Hughes Act has bettered the quality of life not just for America's rural and farm families, for everyone across the globe who is fed and clothed by the American farmer. As with every great journey, it started with that first step. 2017 was the centennial celebration of the Smith-Hughes Act, America's first step in transforming education. The Smith-Hughes Act, formerly the National Vocational Education Act, in the U.S. legislation, provided federal aid to states for the purpose of promoting pre-collegiate vocational education in agriculture and industrial trades and home economics. So I actually pulled that right off the FFA website. Um, so they were giving credit to that as one of the precursors to FFA having, you know, ag classes being available in high schools. So that kind of led the way for ag education as we know it today. We were all part of it, right? That's right. Way back years ago. It's always interesting to me the home economics gets thrown in along the ride. Oh, yeah. Well, it's it kind of different vocations. Together, right? Yeah. So, yeah. And pretty cool. as we know, ag and industrial are pretty pretty tied together mm-hmm. now as, as much as they ever were. So. so, yeah, I thought that was kind of a neat thing to recognize this FFA week. FFA, yep, to talk about that. Yeah. So. 
Good. For all those of you out there that like what you're hearing, uh, please go to tilthegg.com, which is Tilth Agronomy, and there you can find an independent crop consultant in Wisconsin. If you're not in Wisconsin and you're looking, go to naicc.org, which is the National Alliance of Independent Crop Consultants, and there you can find a crop consultant in your area. All right. Thanks, Todd. So now let's move into cool beans, and that's corny. So cool beans? Cool beans. Cool beans. All right, today's Cool Beans. National FFA Week has been going since 1948. So when was that Smith-Lever Act? 1917? Smith-Hughes Act. Oh, yeah. yeah, I think there is a Smith-Lever Act, Isn't there? Yeah, okay. No, that Smith guy must have been a pretty active uh, legislator. Yeah, he was around, or it's just that comment of a name. You never know. Yeah, so 2020, <clears throat> we're still celebrating National FFA Week. Week-long celebration originated in 1948 and is held the week of George Washington's birthday to honor his legacy as an agriculturist. That's, I did not know that. Yep. So yeah. Participated, participated in many a FFA week, and I just thought it was because it was that time in February where it was like getting, you know, we wanted spring to come, and let's just think about agriculture a little bit. So Yep, and today is National Wear Blue Day, so Bill, oh. you... You fit Ooh, the bill. Bill's wearing blue. Try. Yeah. Didn't even, even try. It's Just even kind it. of the FFA blue. A little, it is. little yeah. light. A little but yeah. oil, yeah. yeah. So. Why not yellow? Uh, blues are <laughs> I, I guess blue <laughs> is just yeah more. You don't of wear a, a yellow jacket. Tom. No, you're right. But you wear a blue jacket. Could it be wear blue and yellow day? Could be. Could be. Smith so. Smith Lever Act 1914. United yeah, States federal, guy. federal law that established the U. Cooperative extension. extension. Yep. Ah, yeah. Yep. We talked we about talked that about in a previous that. podcast. Yep. 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 That My Smith guy must have been a pretty, yep. pretty good. Uh, Nineteen hundred. Well, pretty good for egg. Yeah. Four H was in, lumped into that along with uh, land grant universities. Okay. So. I, I smell a egg history minute for next week. Yes. Finding out more about this Smith guy. Smith, yeah. Who's the Smith guy? And our that's corny for this week is. Uh, we're starting to see issues in dicamba controlling Palmer amaranth. So in Tennessee, Ooh. they were seeing some issues. Did they use the R word? Uh, they, it was basically through a uh, greenhouse experiment. So there, it was seed collected from the field grown in a greenhouse and they had issues um, controlling it. So it was Extendamax on two-inch tall weeds. And it didn't die. And it didn't die. Oh, Lord. So uh, University of Tennessee weed scientist Larry Steckel had spent months growing these seeds so he could try to kill them with Extendamax. And so he said he called farmers and retailers who found some of the seed and said, Dicamba isn't going to control Palmer amaranth in these fields anymore. So they're starting to see issues already there. So hopefully with the advent of Enlist coming out, maybe that'll be their next tool that'll last a little bit longer. In two years we'll be having that conversation R.I.P. Well. R. R. P. Extendamax, yes. 2017 wow. to 2020. All right. <clears throat> that is corny, though. That is no, that is That's corny. It was shows how much, you know, when we use this stuff, we got to just use it wisely and yep, make, make sure, sure we... We are using different modes of action and doing our best to keep all these tools in our toolbox because the more we lose them, yeah, that's that's not good. This Palmer amaranth's a beast. Yeah, I'm glad we holy man. We thus far haven't had it at least in our area. I mean, I know it is in parts of Wisconsin, but 
Yeah, we don't want that. Yeah, that's no, we don't. they can it can, can stay, stay in Tennessee. Stay where, yeah. It's a great great place for it. So all right, that goes right into you applied what, right? Yep. So this week on you applied what? What did you do? So good to have you back, Bill. Uh, yeah, nobody Max does it quite and it was not. He said he, he said he practiced it in did the he? mirror. He's just yelling at himself. What did you do in the mirror? It didn't work. No, it wasn't. As I good. was interviewing summer interns instead of podcasting last week. Yep. So very eventful day. So uh, I took a page from Max's playbook a little bit, and so these are all fungicides, but they're different uh, active. Fungus, different active ingredient fungicides. So they're different modes of action. So we have Proline, Approach, Prosaro, and Sentinel. So can you guess which one is not like the others? Which one does not belong? This should be like a layup for all of us, right? It was hard because they're it's the it's the mode of action. Those are hard. Yeah, know. families and mode, groups and mode yeah. of actions aren't. Something that we I'm gonna go Sentinel is not that's my okay. That was my guess too. I think Proline and Prosaro for sure are the same. Yeah, approach could be different though. You're right because that one's not as. It's a little yeah. Let's yeah, we'll start yeah. Sentinel sure. uh, close, but no cigar. Oh. You were right with approach, Dad. Oh. So approach is a <clears throat> strobulurin, and the yeah. other three are trizols. Yep. So. Okay. It would have helped to know what Sentinel was. Yeah, I don't know what that is. Yeah, that one. It I just found like groupings by mode of action and that was in there so i'm not sure what i didn't look it up to see what it's used it's not on. as a common one that we use no much, I, you know? I tried to find ones that that made sense but i had to you know go with within those families so i was somewhat limited in, in what i could find but yeah so a, approach is the odd one out there so now you know now you know and knowing is half the battle Let's get our outstanding in the field on the phone. Yeah, let's ring them up. Ring them up. Is this a long distance call here? It's going to be super long distance. We got a British wheat farmer this Ooh, week. We're going to have so. to uh, get our long distance feed. Yeah. Jolly old England, all right? Yes. Hello. Hey, is Ned there? Oh, yes, this is Ned Ergot. How you doing, Ned? Oh, I'm doing fine. How are you? Doing good. Doing good. We're just, um, you're a British wheat farmer, and uh, how many hectares of wheat do you grow out there? Uh, well, I run about 50 hectares uh, near Norwich, which is in eastern England. How much is that in acres? Well, it's about two and a half acres to a hectare, so you're looking at... Two and a half times fifty, <laughs> yeah, hundred and a quarter and quarter, right? about a hundred and a quarter. Yes. Yeah, that's good. Good, good. How much? How many hectares are grown in the UK of wheat? Is that your main crop? Uh, it's one of the most arable crops over here, and we've got one point nine million hectares grown in the UK each year. Wow, wow, that's a lot of hectares and acres. Yeah. Yes, and, and our yields are pretty good. We have about eight tons per hectare. That means nothing to us. <laughs> this is nothing. That literally means no. Mean, oh no! It, it's difficult. You Yanks and your <laughs> not even the imperial system. You call it what is it? The standard system. Uh, we use the metric system over here. 
as does the rest of the world. Bill, I'm going to start doing the math on that. You, you, uh, you got any talking. questions for Ned? Ned, where does the wheat go? I mean, is it, is it, uh, well, the, the weed, the wheat I grow is for common wheat, uh, use for bread. So it goes to a mill and be milled up into flour and it's going to be used for, uh, bread banking of some sort. So that usually has a little bit lower yield than, um, say, your your Durham wheats or your other the winter wheats that you guys yeah, are used to. Yeah. What part of England are you? Are you in the east or the west or yeah, eastern England? Yes, yeah. so near near Norwich, um, which you would probably pronounce as Norwich, but it, Norwich. it looks like Norwich. Norwich, but it's it's actually pronounced Norwich. And uh, yeah, so yeah, I just found Kyle's converter. Kylesconverter.com. Kyle. I probably just got a virus on my computer, but the uh, eight tons per hectare converts to 118 bushels wow. per acre. That's so pretty good. I know you guys idea. could really rock it with the wheat, but that, that's impressive. Now, the, the environment here for wheat is very, very good. Yeah, great. We're happy with with uh, six tons per hectare. Yeah. You're getting eight. That's pretty good. Six is 89. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Good, boom. good thinking. That was quick. Yeah, if you can get like ninety to hundred bushel, we're we're yeah. feeling pretty happy about ourselves. Like you did something. So, do you do anything with the straw net, or does it go right back in the field for? Uh, for the most part, we we leave it in the field. There is some some useless straw, but not. Uh, I don't think quite as much as you boys over there use. One of our good friends, a consultant over in the UK, Patrick. He always said um, to get that high yield is they're putting ammonium nitrate on, you know, later and just really good nitrogen management on their wheat. So not not always looking at total units, but timing and then just kind of spoon feeding. Yes, the, the timing is very important. So those British aren't worried about making bombs with the ammonium nitrate, no, I, then, are they? No, can't even get that here. We we don't have the same rules. Yes, as yeah, you boys do. So. Are the same crazy people? <laughs> uh, hopefully that's true. I don't know. It always is, but well, good. Any last things, Ned? Any uh, words of wisdom for our listeners? No, uh, good, good luck. I mean, you know. We all need to do our part, so we're all farmers. So good luck to you, and hopefully you can catch up to our wheat yield someday. All right. Thank you. We'll try. Yeah. I think Cheerio. Cha- challenge accepted. Cheerio, right. Ned. Well, that was pretty interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Learn a little bit about oh, some international crops. He was a very happy guy. Yeah. Well, if you were getting 100 and, yeah. Yeah, what is it, 115 <laughs> bushel of wheat, I think you'd be pretty happy, too. 118.96. Yeah, 118. So, yeah. That's some pretty good. Uh, I remember one grower of mine had 122. That was the highest I've ever had. So that if he's getting that on average. That's cranking. Yeah, yeah. it's awesome. Todd, you've had a farmer hit pretty close. Yeah, we had some just high above ones. 100, yeah. yeah, but just seems like it's hard to always hit that. Yeah. So, And I know the inputs they're using. I mean, they're treating treating their wheat how we treat our corn sometimes. So yeah, it's really yep. putting all all the, you know, using plant growth regulator type of things and nitrogen management and doing all that stuff. So. We didn't ask him his uh, net profit or anything like that. No. Though, so that could have been a little... Yeah, I, mean, I think that's with every operation, yeah. Right. You, you can buy yield, so yeah, depending on... But if the, like we said, if the averages are hitting up there, I'm sure there's got to be money being made, otherwise they wouldn't be... And, be and their climate it, must so. be just right, too, oh, yeah. for for that for small grains, so... Yeah, no, I think I think they do have a pretty good climate for that up there, so... All right, well, thanks for being here today, guys. Yeah, it was a little lonely without Max, but we made it. Well, he'll be back. So, this week we talked about forage and our 
Forge Spotlight. So Forge February. Happy Forge February on the last two days here. And the Farmer to Farmer Marketplace. In our spotlight, we talked about Soil Reader, a new device coming out with NIR for soil testing. The Smith Hughes Act of 1917 was our Egg History Minute. Cool Beans was National FFA Week, has been going strong since 1948. That's Corny was starting to struggle controlling Palmer Amaranth. And you applied what? We talked fungicides and we met Ned Ergot. So I'd say we had a pretty good week here, guys. Yeah, happy yeah. birthday, Matt, yesterday. Oh, yeah. thank you. Yeah. yeah so. One year older. Yep, another year, another year closer to the grave. Thanks, <laughs> thanks for reminding me. No. no, it was a good day. It's cool. It happens on FFA week. That's yeah, gotta be no, every year. <laughs> so, all right, all of you out there, uh, have a good day and happy farming.